Rose was on the skids again. Everyone in the boarding house knew it. This was no great tribute to their powers of perception, since Rose went on the skids as she did everything else with noise, abandon, and a fine sense of timing and style. Saturday night at supper, she told several humorous stories, and when nobody laughed as hard as she expected, she insulted everyone and went upstairs to her room. In the middle of the night, she decided to sing some old folk songs, and when Miss Henderson, who occupied the adjoining room, objected by pounding on the wall, Rose pounded back so vigorously that she knocked a hole in the plaster. Rose was furious at Miss Henderson for causing the hole in the plaster, and reported the incident immediately to Mrs. Cushman, the landlady. Mrs. Cushman woke up and looked sadly at the clock and then at Rose. Rose, for Pete's sake, it's too early to get up. It's only three o'clock. I haven't been to bed. Then you better... I can't sleep. Who could sleep with a crackpot like that pounding on the wall all night? Knocked a hole in it as big as your head. I've got a good notion to move out. Why don't you? By God, I will. She spent the next few hours packing her belongings and sipping a little wine now and then to give her energy. By breakfast time, she was in an excellent mood. She unpacked all her clothes and replaced them in the closet. She hung a calendar over the hole in the wall and publicly forgave Miss Henderson for her lousy manners, rotten disposition, and lack of musical appreciation. For some reason, Miss Henderson did not respond to this act of charity, and by noon she had left bag and baggage, leaving the room next to Rose, vacant again for the third time in as many months. Rose couldn't understand anyone being so petty, and she said as much to Mrs. Cushman. You're better off without her. We're all better off. She paid her rent. Money. What's money? Mrs. Cushman's plump face took on an angular severity. Money happens to be what I live on. I used to throw the stuff away. God, did I. It's too bad you didn't throw a little my way. In fact, it's too bad you... But Rose was beyond the sordid present. She lay back on the bed, careful not to bump her head on the wine bottle under the pillow, and gazed dreamily up at the ceiling and the past. Did I ever tell you about the party I gave once, just after anguish was released? There must have been four hundred people, and you know what? I didn't know a bloody one of them. Last time it was three hundred. I'm no good at figures. Rose? If I'd been any good at figures, I'd be a millionaire right now. She spoke with pride and only a trace of regret. God, how I threw that stuff away. It was sheer genius. Rose, Mrs. Cushman said, you're hitting the bottle again. Rose stood up, looking very dignified and awesome in spite of her shortness. What a perfectly vile and offensive remark. I don't care, it's the truth. I swear, I swear, but I don't care if you was buried in Bibles right up to your neck. I wouldn't believe you. You're hitting the bottle again, and I'm going to phone Frank. Rose was shaken, though she tried not to show it. Call him. Who cares? Maybe he can straighten you out like last time. Straighten me out? Rose snorted. You talk as if I'm an old wrinkled pair of trousers, and this crude and callow youth can come off your high horse. You're not going anywhere. Rose looked around the walls for reassurance. They were covered from floor to ceiling with photographs of herself, smiling, sultry, 
coy, gay, in period costumes and bathing suits, stills and action shots, Rose being kissed, strangled, rescued, fed to the lions, lighting a cigarette, toasting a lover, dancing a polka. All roses, all magnificent, not in the least like an old wrinkled pair of trousers.